Good morning, church. How are we this morning? You're good. I need your help. I came into the building this morning with a yellow carrier bag, and I've lost it. Has anyone seen a yellow carrier bag? Is it up in the, uh, the desk area up there? If you've got it, perhaps someone could bring it down to me at some point soon. Uh, but if it's gone missing, you won't be allowed out of the building until you've handed it over. Okay. Theo asked me to speak about tithing and generosity. And uh, I, I guess many of you have heard a lot of sermons about this subject. And uh, there is so much I would love to tell you about this subject. In fact, I've written a, a 10-hour course on it. So who would like to stay for 10 hours? No, okay. There's just one goal I've got this morning. And that is that we get gripped by five words. Just five words. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Are we getting the message? I just hope that post-lunch today you will still remember five words and let God continue to speak to you about it. In the Greek, I don't know much Greek, but I do know one word in Greek. And the word for cheerful here in the Bible, thank you, David. Um, yeah, bring it out here. <laughs> Who was hiding it? Elaine. Okay. Oh, it's orange. Okay. The word for that we translate cheerful is hilaros. What word do we get from Hilaros? Hilarity. Hillary. We get Hillary as well, but hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver, okay? Cheerful understates it. Hilarious is wonderful. And so my working title, I've been thinking about this week, is moving from history, we're going to look at some history, to hilarity and I hope we'll all go home over lunch feeling totally hilarious and uh, ready to give hilariously. There was a woman who interrupted a, a, a supper party Jesus was at. He was at a table with a meal with uh, some friends or whoever and, and this woman comes in and a sort of gate crashes the party and she's got this most expensive uh, alabaster jar of ointment and it really would have been very very expensive it could have been worth possibly thousands of pounds and she starts to glug 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 pour it on Jesus now this week I, I did look on the Harrods website I was just thinking what I could get for dye and I looked at the perfumes, and the most expensive one in Harrods was 21,000 pounds, La Lique Soleil. Okay, the good thing about this uh, perfume is it's unisex, so ladies, if you want to bless your men, 21,000, La Lique Soleil is the one for you. I thought I'd do a bit more research, and I looked on the internet to find the most expensive perfume in the world. 
1.3 million dollars, you can get it in Dubai. It's got an Arab name that means deserving excellence. That's lovely, isn't it? This Arab name. Unfortunately, in English, it's pronounced Chumuk. <laughs> There's a marketing disaster if ever I've seen one. This woman was pouring the most expensive perfume on Jesus and you can imagine Judas was going apoplectic. I'd never say that word. Um, and Jesus is realizing what is happening. And I, I just imagine a little smile comes on Jesus' face. This woman is giving him the best, most hilariously generous gift he could ever have. And, and then that little smile turns into a, almost a laugh. And I imagine Jesus is loving it. This woman is giving to him the most precious thing she had. It says in the Bible, in one of the Gospels, that she was a lady of ill repute. And it's thought that possibly Jesus had uh, brought healing to her life in the past. But she was giving hilariously. And Jesus said, I say to you, wherever the Gospel is preached... Throughout the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Now, there were people criticizing that, you know, they should have sold this perfume for money and put it in Judas's bag and he'd have taken his cut and so on. Um, but Jesus gives dignity to what she's doing by saying, she's anointing me for burial. But that woman did not turn up that day intending to anoint Jesus for burial, I don't believe. She turned up that day to be generous to give the most precious things she could to Jesus. And that is what Jesus wanted remembered in the Gospels, that this woman gave the most precious, hilariously generous, extravagantly generous gift to him. And it's mentioned in every one of the Gospels. Wasn't that great? She gave away a few thousand pounds, but she received a mention in, in the Bible for all of history. Isn't that fantastic? And so this morning we're going to, we're going to look at a little bit of history, of history of giving and tithing um, in, in the Bible. We're going to look at some principles that we can adapt and make decisions on ourselves and move towards hilarious giving. But to start with, I just want you to mark yourself on the generosity scale, okay? Over here, we have zero. Over here, we have ten. If you're a zero you make Scrooge look positively philanthropic, okay? If you're a 10, you make Mother Teresa look proper miserly. I want you to mark yourself on the, on the generosity scale. How generous are you? In the middle is the average of all these wonderful folk here. So where are you going to mark yourself? Have you got your mark in your mind? Where do you mark yourself on the generosity scale? If you've marked yourself as a zero... We do have the prayer team here ready for you at the end of the meeting. If you mark yourself as a 10, we do have the prayer, meeting, the prayer team here ready for you at the end of the meeting. It's good to know where we are. We're starting with history. We haven't got a slide for history, don't worry. In the Old Testament times, the nation of Israel was being formed and God made a covenant with the nation of Israel through Moses and said, if you will follow me, if you will keep my commands, I will bless you. 
I will bless your land. I will bless your crops. I will bless your children. I will keep your enemies far from you. I will bless you. And, and God's heart throughout the whole story of mankind is that God wants to bless. God loves to bless. That is God's heart. And he wants us to have that heart as well. And part of the, the laws that God gave to the nation of Israel, there were laws about uh, justice, there were laws about hygiene, there were laws about farming, but some of the laws were about giving. And uh, they were commanded to give a tithe of their crops every year. They were agricultural people largely, that's how they lived, they grew crops and, and that's where it came from. And they were commanded to give a tenth every year to God, given to the priests, for the priests to live on. The priests didn't have their own lands. So that the priests were free not to have to go to work Monday to Friday, but they were free to minister in the tabernacle and then the temple and uh, lead the nation in their following of God, lead the nation in their worship of God, uh, keep candles burning regularly, deal with sacrifice for sin and, and all these things. And they were commanded to give a tenth. And then we read in the Bible that another occasion, they were commanded to give a tenth for the special feast days. They were to go to the place God said, the nation would gather and they would celebrate three feasts a year. Passover, can't remember all the names of the others, but pre-harvest and post-harvest. And they were to bring a tenth of their, their crops and celebrate. Wouldn't that be great? Should we do that, Billy? Everyone brings a tenth of their income when we have a, a weekend bash and we just celebrate together and the nation came together and they, they appreciated God and they worshipped him and they had a, the mother of all feasts, to be honest. That would be a fantastic one. And then there was another tithe. They only had to do this every three years, but they had to bring a tithe of their crops and it was for the poor and the alien not E.T., but, you know, the, the strangers and people who were coming to the land and also for the priests. And if you work it out, possibly they had to give, on average, 23 and a third percent of their income to tithing. There's different views on that, but God's command was that they gave a tithe. Not only that, they were supposed to be generous when you were Harvesting your field, don't go right up to the edges. Leave a bit for those who are needy and they can come and reap behind you. If a sheaf falls off your cart as you're taking it back to the farm, don't pick it up, leave it for those who are in need. Be generous. And then there were free will offerings. On top of that, for special occasions and special needs, tithings, being generous, and offerings. And uh, there was one occasion when they were building the temple and, and the leaders said, you know, bring offerings of gold and silver, your jewelry and, and precious stones. And the people started to bring all this stuff and they bought almost too much. Can you imagine that, Billy? As a trustee, people bring in too much. I think the trustees of the temple project went home and slept that night and uh, wow. I want to thank our trustees who do a great job here in the church. I think it's Chris Romilly, Kathy Swift, Alex Sheen, Jonathan Cathy, and Billy, miss anyone? Thank you, trustees, you do a great job, and we hope 
we will make your job easy. And so that was the background to giving in the Old Testament times. And then Jesus came and brought in the new covenant, the new covenant. And it was for everyone, not just the nation of Israel, but for mankind generally. It was based on his sacrifice, not the sacrifice of sheep and goats and bulls. It was a covenant of blessing again, but not uh, predicated on just sticking to religious rules and laws, but on the basis of being filled with the Holy Spirit and doing what the Holy Spirit calls us to do. It's built on a different foundation. It's it's a covenant uh, that we work out with the Holy Spirit. And in Romans 8, Paul says... But through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And so in the new covenant, we, we live it out through the Spirit in faith, not having to stick to law after law after law in fear. And so some of the big questions people ask are, is tithing then 10%? Is it 20%? Is it 23 and a third percent? Wrong question. We will never get so generous, hilarious giving by asking that question. Some people say, must I tithe today under the new covenant? Wrong question. If it's a must thing, you're on the wrong track. We will never get to hilarious giving by asking the must and ought question. How generous ought I to be? Wrong question. We'll try and find the right questions in a moment. But to help us move from the Old Testament teaching about tithing and giving into the new covenant, we need just to look at some principles that we can draw from what God intended in the Old Testament times and draw them into life today in our situation and experience. And, uh, oh, they've all come up all at once, never mind. The first principle is that giving the tithes and offerings were for purpose. It wasn't just to make life difficult for us, it was for purpose. Um, To provide for the ministry of the priests and the temple and the tabernacle, to provide for the religious life of the Jews, to provide for the poor, to provide for migrants. It was to enable them to come together and celebrate who they were on occasions through the year and build that identity and that community. And it was to enable the kingdom of Israel to flourish. There were real purposes in bringing the tithe, and those purposes stay and and carry forward to today. Secondly, giving is really important to God. And if it's important to God, it must be important to us. You will know the verses in Malachi chapter 3 very well, where it's right at the end of the Old Testament, the last book in the Old Testament, And God says to the the nation of Israel prophetically, you're stealing from me. I mean, that is 
pretty heavy-duty challenge, isn't it? You are robbing me. How are we robbing you, God, in tithes and offerings? You're not bringing them. You're not honoring me by your giving into my work and my purposes. That's a real challenge. And God said, if you will bring the tithes and offerings in, he says, test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. Do we get the heart of this? God wanted to bless them. God's heart is always to bless them. His heart is to bless you and to bless me. And we can enter into that flow of blessing when we just are generous and imitate God and carry on that image of God who is a giving, a generous, hilarious giver. It's a... Quite a challenging passage, that. Thirdly, the new covenant is bigger and better in every way. Under the old covenant, we had the Levites, who were the chosen tribe. They were the only priests. They could intercede for the nation, no one else. They could offer sacrifices, no one else. They could enter the Holy of Holies, no one else. In the new covenant, we are all priests, aren't we? Somebody say a little amen. <laughs> I, I love preaching in Africa, don't you, Greg? You know, you just have to cough and someone says, hallelujah. And uh, you, you, I, I go to some churches here and I, I know they're getting excited when they blink a little bit faster. And uh, us English people are. Anyway, we're all priests. And uh, here's a little challenge for you. You, you meet someone you've not, never met before at work or somewhere and... Uh, and they say to you, what do you do? And you say, I'm a priest. And that's a conversation starter, isn't it? Try it. In the old covenant, there was a physical tabernacle or a temple where the presence of God was encountered. Under the new covenant, we are a living temple. That is a calling. That is a privilege. And I'm going to have a little rant just now. Is that okay? Allowed to rant? I've heard people say, not in our church, but I've heard people say, I don't need to gather with the folk on Sunday. I can hear the sermon during the week. I can catch it up on YouTube. That is so awful, I can't begin to express how I hate it. We are a living temple. And our gatherings together are so, so important. Now, church is 24-7, I get all of that, but our weekly gathering, it's, it goes back through history to when God said, have a Sabbath day and have a holy convocation, and Jesus went to the synagogue every Sabbath. The early church met together on the first day of the week. There's something supremely important about meeting together as God's temple, amen? Oh, I've got a little amen, they're warming up. I loved it this morning 
when people came and shared, didn't you? I love it. And I would just want to encourage us, come every Sunday expecting to give. It might be giving a, a little hello to someone you haven't spoken to before. It might be a word of encouragement. I love it when people are, are moving around the congregation during the worship. And you can just sense they're going to someone and giving them a word of encouragement. We come to give, don't we, on a Sunday. So can we all agree we'll come and give something next Sunday? It might be a hello. It might be a prof- prophecy. It might be something in the offering. Um, anyway, rant over. We, in the old covenant, a few people were filled with the Holy Spirit on certain occasions for certain tasks. In the new covenant, we all can be filled with the Holy Spirit and we need to be every day. In the old covenant, laws were written on tablets of stone or scrolls. In the new covenant, they're written on our hearts. Wow. In the old covenant, people were told, that's right, that's wrong, that's what you should do, that's what you shouldn't do. In the new covenant, we're guided and convicted by the Holy Spirit. That's not to say, you know, the Ten Commandments are are wiped away. Of course not. But we're drawn to do God's will, not just following laws. Number four, flow of blessing. God's heart is to bless us. We see that right through the old covenant. God wanted to bless the nation of Israel abundantly. The Bible speaks, there's a whole theme going through the Bible of the flow of blessing and the imagery of rivers and streams is used. There's there's a river going through the Garden of Eden right at the beginning of the story. There's a river going through uh, Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem, right at the end of the story. And it's the river of God's life and blessing. And uh, I'd love to expand this, but Jesus said, whoever believes in me, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. God wants us to be part of the flow of blessing. And our giving is part of being in that flow. We receive and we give. You know, if we stop giving or limit our giving, I think there's a sense in which we may be limiting what we receive. We're limiting the flow. If you, if you block a river, it will stop flowing, wouldn't it? It'll just muddy around and form a puddle and and not do anyone any good. Giving puts us in a place to be right in the middle of the flow of God's blessing. It's a really important principle. You know, a number of years ago, um, well, going back a little way, I'll probably get told off for telling this story when I get home, but... Di and I have always tithed to our ch- wherever church we've been in, um, you know, from the day we went to work, you know, and that was just about the time man landed on the moon. So it's, you know, it's quite a long time ago. And uh, we've always sought to give, and I- I'll be honest, I'm the cautiously generous one, and, and Di is the uncautiously generous one in the family. All right, so <clears throat> that's, that's where we sit. But I just want to s- tell you, you know, There have been times when we've known the flow of God's blessing to us. And uh, a number of years ago, we we, we were leading Fairham Church, uh, and it was right that we handed over to someone else, and we did that, and God was calling us on, and we we stepped out of 
the church, not knowing where we were going. We didn't have a church. We didn't have any income. We didn't have fellowship. And, and it was a bit scary. And the minute we stepped out of uh, leading the church in that situation <coughs> into this sort of wilderness almost, our car needed 600 pounds spent on it. Guess what? A check for 600 pounds came through the door. During that time of unemployment, I had to go and sign on. I mean, that was an experience for, for a start. Um, someone gave us a holiday or a trip to Toronto to go and be blessed in the Toronto blessing, the flow of God's blessing. We, we took on James Street, as many of you know. They could pay us 5,400, not a day, not a week, but a year. We had a mortgage. We had all the bills everyone else has. You can't live on that, can you? Every week, every month, God provided for us amazingly. I had to go to the building society and say, <coughs> excuse me, I want to move, I want to get a new mortgage. And they say, what's your income, Mr. Bow? And it's 5,400. And God gave us grace with the building society. When we left the church, we had a little bit of savings in the building society. And we thought we could live on this for six months. <coughs> if we needed to, just stretch it out. I tell you what, we never touched a penny of that savings during that time. And within a short while, it'd be multiplied 10 times. I still can't remember how it happened. Um, there's so much more I could tell you, but we, we were at James Street and God blessed us and looked after us for seven years. And it wasn't long after that, that we were able to give our boys 60% of the cost of a house to help them have a house. God's blessing is incredible when we get in the flow of it. Now, not everyone will be blessed financially. You know, Dan and Beth have been blessed by children and other people are blessed in other ways. And, but when we give, we position ourselves in the flow of God's blessing. Lastly, um, time's going. Giving is a response from love. There were two commands in the Old Testament that summarized everything else. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. No, with all your heart and soul and strength. And love your neighbor. In the New Testament, it got expanded. I don't know if you noticed this, but it's love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind. Now, this was in the days of, you know, the influence of Greek culture and reasoning and uh, philosophy and all, all the great Socrates and people like that, Plato, you know, were, the mind was becoming so important. And God said, love me with all your mind. And I just think we need to expand that command today to love the Lord our God with all our wallet. Amen. We need to love God in this materialistic age with our wallet. Um, I, I'm going to tell you one little story. A man went to his church leader and said, can you help me? I've got a problem with this giving of 10% and tithing and so on. And the church leader said, yeah, yeah, sure. What's the problem? He said, well, I've been blessed and I now earn a million pounds a year. And the church leader said, well, you've been blessed. Great. What's the problem? And he said, well, to tithe, to give 10%, that's a hundred thousand pounds to give away every year. That's a lot of money. And the church leader said, yeah, I, I, I think I'm seeing your problem. Can I pray for you? And the guy said, yeah, please, please pray for me. 
So we said, Father, bless my brother here. He's struggling with tithing. Please reduce his income until he's happy to tithe what he gets. <laughs> I'm sure there was a point to telling that story. Um, but anyway, I, I just want to pick up on the reading that Chicks uh, brought to us so uh, wonderfully just now, and it may come up on the screen. <clears throat> it's what Paul said to the Corinthian church in two letters, but it's on the same subject of giving to the church in Jerusalem. And the first thing I want to very quickly bring out is desire. To truly be generous, we have to do it from desire. Not from command, but from compassion. So we read there, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. If people say to me, must I tithe? I say, no. If you don't love God enough to give me 10%, well, how much do you love God? Give that. There's no command to give. It's a desire. It's, it's a passion. And uh, I, I just want to give you some suggestions to go away uh, and perhaps do if we can. Ask the Holy Spirit. Have a time with the Holy Spirit and say, speak to me about my generosity. Speak to me about my giving. Speak to me. Because the Bible says it's God who works in us to will and to do his good pleasure. The Holy Spirit has changed me in this area of giving um, with a bit of help from my wife, leaning on. Go and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Secondly, be a thankful receiver. Um, I want to be generous today, and I want to give something to someone here. Unfortunately, I can only give it to a certain person or type of person who's got something in their kitchen. Who has got a coffee bean grinder in their kitchen? I saw a hand. I want to give you a gift this morning. A kilo of coffee beans. Now, before you get carried away with my generosity, I was given those coffee beans. And before you get too carried away, we don't have a coffee grinder, but um, please enjoy. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> Let's have desire to be a giver. Um, I'm going to ask Rachel, the one and only Rachel Barnes, ladies and gentlemen just to come and give a story about how she wanted to give to her church. Hello. Um, you have to forgive me, I sound a little bit like a robot. I am not ill. I just destroyed my voice a little bit. Um, <laughs> but um, So I, when I first graduated university, I was doing an unpaid internship and I was trying to find work to support me whilst I was doing that and hadn't found it yet. So I was on universal credit and they told me that I would get um, 250 pounds a month and my rent was 240 pounds a month. And I sat there and thought, if I tithe 10% like I usually do, I will not be able to pay my rent. Um, and I was so torn up about it and I just didn't know what to do. And 
this isn't to pass judgment or to say you must make this decision in that situation but I sat down and I thought about it and I just couldn't bring myself to give it and the problem wasn't my action it was that in my heart what I was saying was I God will take care of my own needs and then I will give to you out of what's left over and I don't trust you to provide for me and what I was saying was I care more about not letting down my housemates and caring about the people in my life than I do about giving to God. Um, and I wasn't a joyful giver at all. I was very reluctant. <laughs> um, I was doing it, yeah, it was not right. And I, my, I, my heart was examined for ma- um, on money and it didn't pass. But God's response to me in that was that actually... I sat down and I prayed with the people around me and the next day I got 400 pounds in my account and a job and so even though my heart hadn't passed that test God's response wasn't to say oh well that's it then he was so overly generous above what I was expecting and I had enough over every single month to pay my rent and to have everything I need and to give what I wanted to and yeah I just how can you not give to a God that is that generous and that was what, there was a change then for me in my giving. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. Wonderful. I, I just want to say, you know, as a church here, we don't make rules about giving, but we do encourage people to, to aspire, to desire to give 10% of your income into the church. Not because we have to, but because we love what the church is and because we love what the church does. And we've just seen the, the annual report come out and there's so many great things. And, and so that's where we stand as a church. We, we just encourage people to go for that, to give 10% and, uh, into the church so that we can do together all the great things God has called us to do. I need to wrap up very quickly, but... Um, there were a few disciplines, desire, discipline. Um, I, uh, I decided to do a challenge um, early this year. And uh, I was going to jog, do the couch to 5K, the jog thing. And, and then my foot began to play up. So I didn't do that. So I thought I'll, I'll swim a, a kilometer. Now I like swimming. And, but I find swimming a length quite difficult. And uh, so I started and... Uh, I had to do it through discipline. So I went the first week and I swam 15, 16 lengths and that was really, really tiring. I had to go the second week, I swam 24 lengths, really tiring. Third week, discipline, swam 30 lengths. Fourth week, I swam the kilometer. There's something about discipline that enables us to uh, fulfill the desire of our hearts. And uh, some good disciplines are when we have the the offering come round. If you've given through standing order or through the bank or whatever, just say to God at that time, thank you, God, for what I've been able to give you. Just recognize, just give it, not you know, automatically or mechanically, but give it out of delight and desire. Decide what your disciplines are going to be, how much you're going to put aside each month, um, and so on. I just want to end up with delight. God loves a hilarious giver. And one thing I found really helpful in practicing enjoying giving 
is to decide to give something away every day. Try and do it for a week or a month if you can. Um, we had some people around for a sort of early meeting the other day, and I said, let's give them breakfast. So one of the things we did was we gave breakfast. Di doesn't know that I've been um, doing this over the last few days. And uh, w- one of the ways that we can give is to go through our wardrobe and give away clothes that we're not wearing or even give away clothes that we like and we, we are wearing. <coughs> and I just know that Di is going to be so impressed when she finds out how many clothes I've given away over the last week from her wardrobe. <laughs> what can you give away today? I've given away some coffee beans. That's my giving today. Let's delight in giving. Let's be cheerful givers. Um, I've gone on far too long. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you're a God who loves to bless. You're a God who's so generous to us. We thank you for this principle of giving we see throughout Scripture. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be part of a community that is your new kingdom that we can give into generously and together work out your purposes. And thank you, Father, we can give in many other ways. Lord, help us to take on more of your heart, your hilarious, exuberant, extravagant generosity. Amen.